This is Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M, Executive Editorial Director for Marvel Digital Media Group. I'm at C2E2, joined by... Blake Garris, Associate Producer of Editorial Content, and we have a very special guest. Introduce yourself. My name is Sean Ashton. I'm not sure I understood any of what either one of you said, but I'm happy to be interviewed by both of you. <laughs> well, you do a lot of conventions, though, correct? I do. I'm a convention maven. No, that's not the right word. I'm a convention... Ear. No, that's not the right word. I frequent conventions. No, that's not. The, to conventions I go. Okay. We were talking before the interview and you had a really interesting tidbit. You wanted to direct Fantastic Four? I did. I put in a serious bid to direct that movie. I just was wanting, after Lord of the Rings, to do something epic. And even though I hadn't directed a feature, I had, you know, been nominated for Academy Award for a short film. And, and I tracked down all seven versions of the screenplay that had been produced and tracked down everybody who had any significant role in the evolution of that project and found myself all the way up to uh, Tom uh, Rothman at Fox and he said to me, he called me, I was actually in D.C., and he called me and said, Sean, I hope you can hear the good in what I'm about to tell you. And I thought, damn, I didn't get it. And he said, you made it, he said, when your attorney told me you wanted to direct an $80 million movie, and I'm sure it cost a lot more than $80 million, and you hadn't directed a feature, I told him you were effing crazy. And he said, but you forced me to take you seriously, and you made it to the Final Four. And I think my ears were buzzing, so I didn't get that it was Final Four, made it to the Final Four. I thought he was doing some sort of a basketball joke, but anyhow, yeah, and then Tim Story did it, and he did a great job with the movie, obviously, but I I really fell in love, I was actually, I just sold a book, my autobiography, to St. Martin's Press, and I was at Bowman's Rare Book Dealer on Madison Avenue, and I got a call from Avi Arad's second-in-command, and I asked him, you know, and I just did it right, I asked the right questions where they couldn't answer it. You know, I just worked my way through the little network, and when he told me that they would seriously, I said, is there any way that you would seriously consider me to direct this movie? He wanted to say no, but he sort of couldn't say no, so he said, well, you'd have to do this or that or the other thing, and I got in the cab. I didn't purchase Franz Kafka's Metamorphosis. I was five grand. I put on Layaway, you know, in this rare book dealership, and I raced to Midtown Comics, and I spent, like... $900 in comics on every possible Fantastic Four I could get. And the night went from there. And if we were sitting somewhere and it was out late and we were drinking, I'd tell you the whole story. But it was quite a journey into the world of comic bookdom. Well, what made Fantastic Four such an important thing for you to want to direct? It was specifically American. A lot of the other comic book heroes, you can really see influences of, you know, Nordic things or Asian things or whatever. And I just felt that I had been down in New Zealand for so long doing Lord of the Rings. We sort of missed the presidential election. Bush v. Gore happened, and we were gone for the whole thing. And, you know, like my country had gone to war at one point. You know, you just kind of... I realized what it meant to be an American when I lived away from home for so long. And I just knew that that's what Fantastic Four represented. Maybe not quite as much as Captain America, but certainly in its way. And, you know, and I was learning the technology of how they, how you do the flame and how you do, you know, freezing and how you do that kind of cool stuff. And performances, I mean, Michael Chiklis, I talked to him at one point, and he was just dead set against doing it. He was not going to do it. And this is right when I was in the hunt, and I just said, you have to do this movie. And he didn't have any, you know, I didn't have the job, so it was just two guys talking. But it was across the street from Staples Center. God, I haven't told anybody this story ever. I don't even think my wife knows this story. And, uh, 
I just looked in the eye and said, you don't understand. This part is a gift from God for you. You have to do this part. There's no one else on planet Earth who can do this part but you. You have to. There's not. A, you don't get a choice. And he kind of looked at me, and I could tell he, he got what I meant. And then I didn't get the job, and he did. So son of a bitch, you know? <laughs> Jumping back to Lord of the Rings for a second, we work at Marvel and Toy Biz was a part of Marvel. And Toy Biz, especially a friend of mine at Marvel, Jesse Falcon, worked heavily on all the toys and all the likenesses and worked on everything Lord of the Rings that was collectible for a period of time. How weird is it to see yourself as an action figure, as a toy, as something like that? Well, it was a little disappointing, actually. I mean, on some level, you're like, wow, I'm Luke Skywalker, or wow, I'm Han Solo, you know, wow, I'm a stormtrooper, because you're in a box. But I also sort of felt like, wow, if I could be a superhero, I guess any, if I could be a toy, anybody could be a toy. You know, if I'm an action figure, you could be. Everybody's gonna. It's like you know Andy Warhol saying, you know, everybody's gonna have fame for 15 minutes. I'm like, oh great, everybody's gonna have an action figure now. You know, somehow it's not as special if it happened to me. No, I, I disagree. I disagree. No, I love it. But I honestly just said here at the convention that my favorite thing to sign is the Samwise Gamgee in orc armor action figures. I don't think that's your voice over there. Well, the, toy bits. my head, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think it's toy bits. But anyhow, the way they've got that plastic bubble on the front of it, and I get like a big silver cushy paint marker, and I go across the front of it, and I feel like I'm taking my place in the pantheon of dudes with action figures. <laughs> So you mentioned earlier you're not really promoting anything right now, but I have heard you're involved in a lot of like charity work some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When people ask me what I've got coming up here, I tell them that I'm in Nickelodeon's upcoming animated series, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I get to play Raphael. That's awesome. Yeah. So, because I was just Special Agent Oso for Disney, and that was, uh, you know, it's all part of the plan. Hey, guys, get out. Like that. Right? And now I get to be like, dude, let's go. Come on. <laughs> so, that's kind of fun. Kind of fun. But, uh, yeah, I did an inspirational Twitter campaign that kind of took off called Run Third, or hashtag Run Third, where the basic premise is first I run for myself. I'm a runner, and I just ran the LA Marathon and then the Hollywood Half Marathon. This morning, here in Chicago, I jumped up and did the 5K, the race to uh, Wrigley Field, which is great, a three-mile race. It's like you haven't even gotten started yet. So I, I had never dedicated a run to anything or anybody before, specifically individually. And so I came up with this thing, kind of feeling guilty. But you know what? I'll, I need to understand that I run. It's a personal thing. It's a selfish thing. I run first for myself, and then my family. I run for my family, and then I run third for you. And the idea is people make hashtag dedications. So hashtag run third for my grandpa who has Alzheimer's. Hashtag run third for my cousin who you know has pneumonia, my pet that just died, for clean water, world peace, for your second cup of Starbucks coffee, for my son who's autistic, for cancer awareness, breast cancer awareness, you know, and, and basically it's whatever anybody feels that they want to make a dedication to, and if you go through the Twitter stream and you, and you read it, it's really moving. People really kind of put their heart out there in 140 characters, and then I wear hashtag run third on the back of my race jersey, and I'm running, in essence, you know, on behalf of all of those people and for all the dedications that they've made, and now I've done it where I've expanded it to uh, team run third, and I'm having people like, in order to join team run third, you have to tweet, I want to run for you. That's it. All right, congrats. Congratulations, you're a member. Now, if you want to be a team member, you let me know, and you pick an event, and then you become a kind of the face of that event for Run Team. You put on a shirt that says Run Team Third, and you take pictures of people with their signs and post those on the blog, and it's a really fun little, it's, there's no money in it for anybody. It's just a sweet, fun thing that gives me a sense of purpose and gives other people a sense of community, and so it's a great thing. That's awesome. 
that's awesome. Yeah, my wife's a runner, so I know I know the mentality. I know like that everything you're talking about. I'm like, I get it. She's hardcore. And it does mean something to her, and she's always got something she's doing with it. That's awesome. It's cool. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. That's great. Well, how can I hear it? It's gonna be on Marvel.com on iTunes. Everywhere. Marvel. What's Marvel? No kidding. Oh, I oh, kid. Oh, I kid. Oh. It's a joke. Marvel. <laughs> All right, thanks, you guys. Awesome. This is Marvel, your universe.